0: Welcome to 2020. How are you guys doing today? I tell you what, it seems like it's been an eternity since we had our brunch last Sunday. If you were there, I hope you had a great time. The food was fantastic. Thank you to everybody who brought food and, uh, and stuck around for the fellowship time. It was absolutely fantastic. And it's great to see everybody here. Um, for those of you that are visiting, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I am very, very, very excited about not just today, not just this series, this entire year. Um, am I in a dungeon? I've, sounds very sounds, awesome. Thank you. Um, this year... Every year we have a theme. Two years ago, the the theme was community. We talked about doing life together and building lifelong friendships and how discipleship can only happen when there is permanence in our relationships. That was two years ago. Last year, the theme was fruitfulness. We wanted to see what God would do as we faithfully lived out our calling as a church. And as a side to that, um, there were a lot of people that decided to be fruitful and multiply. And we celebrate with all of of you um, uh, um, people that had children and people that are expecting. Um, And this year, the theme is the adventure. Now, the, the adventure came from a book that I was reading. It was called Why Christian Kids Rebel. Why Christian Kids Rebel. If you're a parent, I highly recommend that book. It's one of the best books on parenting I've ever read. But there was a line that jumped out at me. And it said, children who see life as a great spiritual adventure rarely have time for rebellion. And as I read that, I thought to myself, that's not just children, that's people. People who see life as a great spiritual adventure rarely have time for rebellion or to be bogged down in the nonsense that is thrown at us by life. Um, and so that, that capped off the entire year's theme, that one line. And, and so um, we are going through the adventure. And, and if you were here last year, you heard that one of the things we're doing as a church, we support <clears throat> several missionaries around the, around the globe that are doing work in foreign countries. And so we are taking seven mission trips this year. Um, to go visit them, to go partner with our missionaries in that work. Um, We are going to Haiti. Um, Which apparently the the situation there is a little tenuous We haven't been able to get a date on that yet um, because of the the safety issues But as soon as 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 that's clear, we'll be getting dates um, for that. We're going to Jamaica We are going to Honduras. We are going to Kenya. We're going to India Uh, And we are going to the Dominican Republic, which we do all the time And then we're going out west to support our church plant in Portland seven mission trips and as of last year Year, there were more than 50 of you signed up to go on those trips, and even more that volunteered that said, I, I can't go, but I can support, and, and you guys have been giving. And so that is one of the things that is going on this year in the adventure. If you are not here for the sign-ups, you are, those trips are open. You can still go, so make sure you see me after that. I'm going to be spearheading that. Um, but to this we're, we're starting a brand new series today called the four fears, the four fears that stop the adventure. And this first one is the fear of failure. The fear of failure will stop you from living the adventure more so than anything else. And like Suzanne said, the main thing today is if God is for us, who can be against us? Um, And so Jesus, I've found, invites us into his story. That is the major thing I want for people to understand today. Uh, That was never explained to me as a kid. It really wasn't. When I was a kid, uh, I was taught that that Jesus calls you and and he saves you from your sins. That's what he does for you. Jesus is going to do stuff for you. And that is a deep and stunning truth. I'm not going to minimize that at all. But I was never taught that more importantly than what he does for you is that what he wants to do in you and through you, as a believer in Christ, um, what He does for you is He saves you. Like I said, and uh, and, and assures you an eternity in to heaven. And that's where a lot of people stop. I don't know why people stop there. That it just seems like that's where a lot of people stop. Maybe it's our, our churches that, uh, that that want to just kind of lower the bar as much as possible. But a lot of people stop there. Uh, but but uh, people that read the Bible know that that is not where people in the Bible stop. Um, this is what I see in the Bible. Once Jesus saves you from your sins, then he does something in you. He turns you, get this, he turns you into someone that is capable of being a radical lover of people. That is what Jesus does when he saves you from your sins and then he begins to work in you and turns you into someone that is, that, that, that is capable of loving and it is that love, only that love, that motivates us to do what Jesus uh, uh, does through us. Why, why do people who see life as a great spiritual adventure rarely have time for rebellion? Well, it's because we're too busy allowing Jesus to love people through us and, and in us uh, uh, to get caught up in trivialities. How many of you have heard the, the, the term, idle hands are the devil's workshop? Heard that? Yeah. And that is very true. If any of you have children, you know that the second they're not busy, you better go up and see what they're doing because they're they're, they're probably getting into trouble. It's true. All right. Most of the problem I see in America, and I may get get some some pushback for this, but I believe this to be true. Most of the problems I see in America aren't real problems. They're really not. We think they are, but they're really not. One of the viral videos I saw last year, um, was, uh, was of two ladies, one of them talking, the other one saying that's true all the time. Did you see anybody see that? It went viral. They were, and, and the, the, the lady said that having children was committing violence against the earth. I don't know how that's committing violence against the earth, it's been going on for a while. Earth's still here. Um, but that's someone, quite honestly, who was bored and inventing things to be upset about um, on college campuses. We're now told that speech is violence. I was always taught sticks and stones. That's what I was taught, Um, and even the naming of these things, we admit that they're trivial. They're they're things called microaggressions. Well, micro means tiny, and people are giving a macro response to a microaggression. Why? Because it's a big problem. No, because we are bored. We're not living the great spiritual adventure, so we have to make things. We have to come up with things to be upset about. Uh, it's not so much evil as it is a statement of where we are as a nation. Listen, if we were all having to go hang tobacco and work in the fields and and, and and everything like that, we wouldn't be worried about most of the stuff that we're worried about today in America. We're really not. And I see people getting bogged down in trivialities and petty little arguments. When a great huge spiritual adventure awaits us that Jesus is calling us to. And people who see life as a great spiritual adventure don't have time for trivialities. People who have been saved by God, redeemed from our sins, who have been transformed into radical lovers of people and allowing God to live his perfect life through us. Don't bother with worldly concerns and uh, trivialities and nonsense. So I'm going to ask you today to start seeing your life as a great spiritual adventure. Someone asked me once, if your life was a book, would anyone want to read it? If your life was a movie, would anyone want to watch it? Uh, as a young preacher, many times I'd look for sermon illustrations. You guys don't know that, but we are always looking for sermon illustrations. And, and I, I would buy books of sermon illustrations. And I would re- use stories of what other people did to illustrate biblical truth. And I would, want to, I would read stories of what other Christians were doing and preach about what other Christians were doing. And one day, as I was putting a sermon together, Holy Spirit challenged me, do you have your own stories? I've called you to this adventure. Do you have your own stories? And so I set out to stop reading about what other Christians were doing and start creating my own stories. And um, when I started to do that, Holy Spirit took me on a huge adventure. Uh, I'll never forget my first time in jail. I volunteered to, uh, to teach fatherhood. My very first time, I walked into Fayette County Detention Center through seven locked doors. And we started to teach. And five minutes into teaching, I guess there was some type of a fight or some kind of disturbance in another pod. And we heard the sirens go off and they locked us down. Boom! Doors closed. No one gets in or out. And it was me and the guy I was teaching with and about 20 tough looking inmates. All in this one room. And we got done teaching and they didn't let us out. And we just kind of sat there, looked at them. It was unnerving. It was unnerving. But I really enjoyed getting to know the guys because I heard their stories. It wasn't just class time. I got to hear about them. Got to hear their stories, where they're from. realized that once these guys were off their substance, they're really pretty normal people. It was an adventure. I remember the first time I conducted conducting a healing service. I was in Nepal. And, um, and I I was, I was told that we're having a healing service. I I said, I can't wait to see this. This is going to be awesome. Can't wait to see what God does. And all of a sudden they goes, well, it's great because you're leading it. And they unfurled a poster with my picture on it that they had captured from my Facebook page, pastor David Kibler healing service. And all these people were showing up, people that were, you know, limping and people being carried in carts. It was like something right out of the Bible. And I'm like, I'm supposed to heal all these people like, yep. And I ran back to my room and started praying. It's like, wow, this is, this is, I'm so in over my head. I've never done anything like this. And I got to conduct my first healing service not knowing what to do. It was amazing. And I remember my first felony. Um, we were in Nepal, and, 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 and I had preached, and, and there were 23 people that were seeking baptism. And in Nepal, it is a felony to baptize someone. We had to walk all the way away from anybody. We had to go to this remote part uh, up into the Himalayas where, where there was this, this, this natural pool where they did baptisms. And we had to walk all the way there. And, I, and, and we baptized 23 people. It's the three-year jail sentence. So I'm a wanted felon in Nepal so looking at 69 years in a Nepali jail. But, guys, that's what is living. That is the great spiritual adventure that God has called us to. Those are just a few of those things. And, guys, I'm going to tell you that through those and many others, I found that through Christ, I can really live, really live. The second century pastor Irenaeus said the glory of God is a man fully alive. And when we are engaged in the great spiritual adventure, we are fully alive. But the fear of failure is going to stop us from doing that. We have to overcome the fear of failure. What the Bible says about us, you know what the Bible says about you? It doesn't say that you're a failure. It says that you are more than conquerors. In Romans 8, 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are more than a conqueror. Failure should not even register on the radar because you are a child of God. It's a very, very good question. I'm sure you guys have heard if you've been around church at all. You've probably heard If you die tonight, can you be certain that you are going to heaven? That's a good question, and we all need the answer for that. But here's the deeper question. If you don't die tonight, which, God willing, most of you won't, if you don't die tonight, do you have access to a power that will allow you to live triumphantly? And, guys, that is the bigger question I want to ask you today. So we are more than conquerors, the Bible says, we shouldn't fear failure. The second thing is that I've found out you can't be someone who won't quit. If you're afraid of failing, if a if failure of looking stupid or colossally failing is what is keeping you from going deeper with Christ, I'm going to tell you, you cannot be someone who won't quit. You can't do it. Someone who won't quit will always win. Galatians 6.9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. For those of you that are, that are afraid of failure, afraid of going deeper with Christ, afraid of stepping out and taking that risk because it will fail or something bad will happen, it says this, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And those of you that are considering stepping out and doing that great thing that God has called you to do and fear of failures holding you back, I'm just telling you this. I'm just telling you this. Those who are afraid of failure know this. You only fail if you quit. The third thing that I want to tell you, to overcoming fear of failure, I hear this an awful lot. I want to tell you to kill the what-ifs. How many of you all are what-ifers? What if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? I I remember when I was in 7th grade, um, my 7th grade English classroom, uh, there was a poster of a poem by Shel Silverstein. Um, And I spent a lot of time reading that because I didn't pay attention in class. And I remember this. And it says, it goes like this. Last night, while I lay thinking here, some what-ifs crawled inside my ear and pranced and partied all night long And sing their same old what-if song. What if I'm dumb in school? What if they've closed the swimming pool? What if I get beat up? What if there's poison in my cup? What if I start to cry? What if I get sick and die? What if I flunk that test? What if green hair grows on my chest? What if nobody likes me? What if a bolt of lightning strikes me? What if I don't grow taller? What if my head starts getting smaller? What if the fish won't bite? What if the wind tears up my kite? What if they start a war? What if my parents get divorced? What if the bus is late? What if my teeth don't grow in straight? What if I tear my pants? What if I don't learn to dance? If everything seems swell and then the nighttime what-ifs strike again. Anybody identify with that? Absolutely. I'm telling you to kill the what ifs because here's the truth. Here's the truth. Only one thing is only one thing that can happen in the future. And what happens, we get along with our thoughts and and we do the what if thing. We have a thousand different futures, only one which is is possible, but a thousand different futures floating around and it causes anxiety, causes stress. Only one of those can happen. And I'm telling you that most of the time, that one future is dictated by what we do today. And so the what ifs, you kill the what ifs by being faithful to what God has called you today. That's how you kill the what ifs. That's how you kill the what-ifs. But I'm telling you that the catalyst story, the church you're sitting in right now, is one of perseverance through repeated failure. It is. Those of you that have been on this journey with us from the beginning know that's the truth. That this church is nothing but but a, a victory over repeated failures. Um, James 1:24 says this: Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When we started this church, there was no good reason for it to succeed. We um, this this was the this is how we started. Um, uh, Well, (laughs) where do I start? Um, I was a a, a youth minister. I've been in youth ministry for nine years. I'd never been a senior minister before. I'd never led a staff. I'd never done anything like this before. John Kelly, who moved moved from Wisconsin to come here, had never been a senior pastor before. We'd never done anything. We were as green and wet behind the ears as you could possibly be. Um, We had no backing. Um, a church in town torpedoed our support. Um, it was 2008. We found out right after we planted the church that we were entering the worst recession in American history, except for the Great Depression. Um, we uh, uh, there were rumors about us and, and about other churches about us uh, being uh, charging members $300. That was a good one. Um, and there were there was everything was stacked against us. Um, I had a family to support, a wife and three children. Um, and uh, no guarantee of anything working. There was every every reason not to engage in this adventure called Cattle's Christian Church. And yet, here we are, 11 years later. And it wasn't because of spectacular talent, definitely not. It wasn't because of, of, uh, of, of great minds, because we don't have those here. Um, it was more... God's faithfulness and our perseverance, just not quitting, not quitting at all. And had fear, the fear of failure stopped us from doing what we have done as a church. Think about all the ministry that's been done in this church. Think about all the people who've been baptized. Think about all the people that call this place church home. As I was looking at the children's ministry program on December 15th, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that just Amazing. I was sitting up there, I was, uh, I was taking pictures from up there, I saw my office, and I just looked around, and I just, I, I, I literally, I started crying. about all the people that, are, that have come here watching the children up here, children that are going to grow up in our church and, and learn about Jesus in our church, and all the people who have become friends, who've become, uh, uh, who are going into ministry, all the things that have happened, our orphanage, all the missions, everything that w- would not have happened had we been afraid of failure, And I'm going to tell you folks, on my deathbed, on my deathbed, when I look, if the Lord gives me a moment of clarity on my deathbed, I'm going to look back and I'm not going to worry about the things that I tried and failed. Those aren't even going to register. The things that will be the most important to me, the things that I will look back with the deepest satisfaction will be the things that I had the guts to go Do, not the things I tried and failed. And your biggest regrets on your deathbed aren't gonna be the things that you tried and failed, believe me. They're gonna be the things that you wanted to do, that you had a calling to do, that you had a divine calling on your life to do, and you didn't have the guts to do it. Those are gonna be the things that you'll regret on your deathbed. And so as a church, I'm asking us to overcome the fear of failure and launch out into the great adventure that God has called us